Hello and welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. As far as I know for today, I am Ross. And I am a green goblin. I mean goblin. Gordon. <laughs> wow. It is St. Patrick's Day. Start, it is. It did, is. Did you start it off is, early? It is. It is. It is. Did you start off with the Jamesons a little early there? Hey. The road, the road came up to meet me before the devil knew I was down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and, and other other significant Irish misquotes. So, I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> get Green Goblin out of my mind. <laughs> so, my wee Green Goblinish friend, what is, what's on your mind today? Well, you know that I love close-up photography and macro photography. Let's face it, those two are not essential. They are similar, but not necessarily the same. Uh, absolutely, and indeed I do know. In fact, it was you who introduced our listeners to the concept of using a long focal length lens that had close focusing capability for close-up work mm. with those kinds of subjects that are hard to get close to or we're getting close might be a bad idea. Well, thank you very much for reminding everybody about my deficiencies. It's really a simple idea, and it works really well when the goals suit it. But as you know, I've been thinking about a dedicated macro lenses, and in particular, a new lens for my OM system cameras. And having been pondering, I thought that maybe the ponderings would be of interest to folks who don't have a macro lens yet. Or if they have one, they don't use it very much due to the challenges of getting physically close to the subject. So before jumping into this polar plunge, it may be useful to point out some things. Well, I can identify with the challenges of getting close to the subject. I've gotten older, and I can still get down on the ground. It's the getting up part. It is becoming tougher year over year due to joint and back issues, and a general tendency when lying down to think that's a good place to have a nap. These life changes do not alter that I really enjoy macro work, but I've had to change my approach. That's true for a lot of people, and myself included. And talking about that polar plunge, we kind of go nuts in Canada in the winter. And But we should point out a few other things about macro. We know, know that a macro lens lets you get close to your subject. But what's special about them that separates them from other close focusing lenses? Okay, well, let's jump into our technical rat hole early. First off, obviously, macro lenses have an angle of view typically equivalent to what the marketers call the standard lens. So the first macro lenses we encounter were something on the order of a 50mm or 60mm in full frame, a 35mm in crop sensor, and a 25mm or so in micro four thirds. That's interesting, but what is more important is that macro lenses have special design considerations so they are in focus from edge to edge. When you focus on something, everything in that plane of focus stays sharp. And this is what the trade calls a having a flat focus field. 
And if you look at the front element of a macro lens, you're going to find that it has negligible curvature. The other benefit of the macro lens is that they have a much more refined focusing helicoid. And this addresses the microfocus issues that will arise when we get very close to the subject. You know, a tiny movement on the focusing ring, either with manual focus or autofocus, can make a huge difference in what is in focus and what is not. And we need that more precise focusing helicoid, particularly today in the days of autofocus cameras where the helicoids are perhaps not as finely pitched as they used to be. True macro lenses are built with this purpose in mind. And in fact, the first macro lenses were built not for bugs and flowers, but to do copy work. So this precision and edge-to-edge -edge consistency was a requirement. It wasn't an option. Right. You know, I've often wondered, as we keep talking about macro, and I kept saying to myself, well, I've got a, a short zoom lens that I could pretty much put down right in front of the subject and it'll focus on it. So what's the difference? And I think you just explained that. So I already own a macro lens. I did own a Nikon 105, I think it was, when yep. I was shooting Nikon. And now Micro Four Thirds, a uh, 60 millimeter, which is a full frame equivalent of a 120 millimeter. I bought them on the recommendations of the experts, but I have to admit I knew nothing about them. But if I were to buy today, I think I would make an attempt to group my lenses into three groups based on the, well, let's call it a full frame equivalent. And that would be a short macro, somewhere in the vicinity of uh, 35 to 60 millimeter. There would be a medium, which would be 90 to 105. And a long, which would be anything over that, usually about 100 to 200 is sort of currently what's available, I believe. My understanding is that all these lenses are optically excellent. The shorter lenses obviously have price points that are lower than the longer ones. Their weight also is considerably different. And there are complexities in the design of the longer one that makes them more effective. But the real challenge and the change for me is that they to get them to a one-to-one -one ratio or life-size image, I have to get really, really close to that image. Okay, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Uh, and we'll talk to the benefits of choosing longer focal lengths as we go on. But before we do dive into these lens alternatives, it does behoove us to remind listeners that extension tubes of good build quality will work well on most any lens, but best, of course, on lenses with an angle of view similar to or less than that found on a standard lens. So if the standard lens in your full-frame uh, equivalent example was, say, a 50, we would be looking at tubes working on 50s and longer focal lengths, thereby smaller angles of view. Okay, so that's true, but however powerful an accessory the extension tube is, it's not a lens. And once in place, the focus range of the attached lens gets very limited to, well, a very short, short distance. And if you don't have the proper tube, 
you have to be juggling, uh, changing tubes, adding tubes. And as you do that, of course, your ability to focus to infinity, that just goes out of the window. So, yeah, they work for close-ups, but have limitations in general usage. Well, I think the, one of the big concerns that folks have in this regard is that because they lose that ability to do infinity focus, basically focus at something in the great distance, they end up juggling. Pull the lens off, pull the tube off, put the lens on. For myself, I don't like juggling. My reaction times are not as quick as they once were, and I'm less comfortable with the tenacity of my grip these days than I was in the past. So if I don't have to juggle, I'd rather not. Okay, so then all these things lead to the query of which focal length is optimal for a macro lens. I think that's the point of our conversation. So let's put some reasonable barriers in place to help. Not barriers of stoppage, but barriers to keep the conversation in track. Could we agree that whatever lens we choose, when mounted to the camera directly, must be able to do anything from infinity focus to one times life size at the minimum? Of course, but I think that uh, barrier has to be in place. I would also say that because of the very limited depth of field at one times life size, a giant maximum aperture is not always necessary because the likelihood of shooting wide open for anything macro uh, is unlikely. My own experience with these focal lengths is that I have to be right on top of the subject to get one-time life-size unless I'm willing to crop away a significant amount of frame in post. And that means throwing away megapixels that I already have and that would otherwise work just fine producing a really nice image. Well, I concur about the concerns around cropping. You know, my first macro lens was a 55mm macro on a 35mm film camera. A great lens, but the best that I could get with the lens natively was one half life size without the extension tube. And then when I used the included extension tube, infinity focus was gone. And I had to be right at the subject because it was a shorter focal length. So it rarely got used at greater than half times life size. And I have to admit that Today, unless the subject I was photographing was right on a tabletop, I probably couldn't use that lens practically at all, which is a shame. So is that why so many lens makers want to make macro lenses of twice the focal length as their initial introductions? Oh, absolutely. By doubling the focal length, the angle of view is reduced, and that means that to get that one times life size, you don't have to be as close. You mentioned the Nikon Micro Nikkor 105. And I remember shooting that on a film camera, and because I didn't have to be quite as close to the subject to get decent magnification, it was a much more practical lens to use in the real world. So we talked about extension tube. And that raises the question of why one would buy them 
if I can buy a macro lens that goes from infinity to life size without any tubes at all. Well, you're highlighting an important value proposition of modern macro lens design. Tubes aren't needed on today's macro lenses in order to achieve one times life size. It's a much simpler involvement, and this is of enormous benefit to the photographer who wants that agility in their lens purchase and in the practicality of being able to use it. Well, I already have that in my current macro lens, but I still, even though it's a 120 millimeter lens in full frame equivalent, I still need to be really close to the subject to get one times life size. So now what? For me, and I recommend to most anyone today, if you're going to go out and buy a macro lens, buy the longest focal length macro lens that you can get that fits your camera. You know, I can remember when I started shooting digital, I used a, a 102.8 macro for a lot of my work, including non-macro stuff, because that lens was so sharp edge-to-edge -edge and so precise in its focusing. But time's passed, and I honestly can't remember the last time that I even mounted that excellent lens to the camera. If I know that close-up or macro are going to be part of the shooting event, I mount my 180 3.5 macro and just go with it. It's the one I use all the time for close-up and macro work now. Well, it's interesting that you, you mentioned the 180 3.5. The lens that we were talking about recently, uh, the recently introduced 90 millimeter. So remember, this is 90 millimeter on a micro four thirds, which has a two times crop. So that gives you that, and it would, if I went out and bought it, give me the ability to have a 180 macro. And from the promotion, granted promotional videos, but I think they're reputable. Somebody asked the person, okay, you've got the 60 and you've got the 90. So 120 and you've got the 180. What do you think of the possibilities that, or the chances of you using your 60? And the common theme through all of this has been, I love the 60. It's a beautiful lens. It's stack sharp. It's easy to use. It's, it's everything. It's really good. But this lens does more and easier and better. And even though I love that lens, I really don't see that I would be putting it on my camera any any more. Well, they would they would use it for in some situations, but when the longer lens does everything the shorter lens would do, it does raise the the question of why would I go back to something less efficient? Mm -hmm. So the way I look at it is, you've alluded to my scarcely restrained drooling about this lens. Because that would give me a 180 millimeter macro. It focuses from infinity to life size. And apparently it has a super macro setting that actually takes it two to one life size without adding anything else to it. I don't know. It works as a portrait lens. And I, I can see that as becoming an almost perfect lens to have on a camera. Do you think there are compromises that people have to make when working with the 183.5? Well, I think the, the thing that people worry too much about uh, in this realm is the maximum aperture. Right. As you talked about, 
You're, you're not going to be shooting a close-up wide open. No. Because there's no depth of field. But people notice that, in my case, by moving to the 180, I've lost a half stop of light. I didn't notice, and I don't care. The sensor in any of the cameras that I use can handle ooh, a whole extra half stop of ISO <laughs> if necessary. And the only time I'm going to shoot the lens wide open is for portraits. And because it has a longer focal length, it means I'm going to have less depth of field at that given camera to subject distance, which I prefer for a portrait. So when I'm doing macros, I'll have the lens stop down for maximum attainable depth of field and then mount the whole thing on a micro-focusing rail if I need to do stacking, because I do that from time to time, and I'll use a piece of software like Helicon Focus to pull the stack together. There is another compromise, and you've already mentioned it. It's size and weight. 180 that I use is physically longer and heavier than my 100. Okay, that's a given. Welcome to physics. And I accept that because the weight difference is not enormous, and get a longer focal length lens, you're going to get a longer lens. It kind of goes together. There's no <laughs> such thing as a free lunch. Yep. So why did you switch? All else being d different. And... Well, I switched specifically because the magnification doesn't change, but the standoff distance does. I simply do not need to get as close to the subject with the longer focal length. I was first turned on to this idea by the American nature photographer Bill Fortney. He did a series of training courses on macro photography, and his demonstrations and his fieldwork showed with complete clarity. It's all data-based. It's not opinion. But I can get the same image without needing to be right on top of the subject. That's a bonus for me. That's more important to me now more than ever, partly for comfort and partly because moving into and out of contorted positions is neither fun nor is it quick. I'm actually more flexible and agile in my ability to do close-up work with the 180 than I ever was with the 100. With everything going mirrorless, I know that I have a longer focal length option from the OM systems. Do the other big makers have longer focal length macros? Than... I, I hear everybody talking about I, I use my 105 or my 100 macro. I never, practically never hear anybody talk about anything longer than that. Well, you're right, because the best-selling macro lenses in that, let's use the full-frame space, as an example, are the ones in the 100-millimeter range. And so as the companies who started in non-mirrorless formats have moved and started building lenses in the mirrorless space, they've started with the standard, the shorties, but the 100s, or equivalent, so far, they're the best-selling lenses. And a large part of this is, comes from what sellers advise. Oh, if someone's had success with a 100, they're going to recommend that. But many of the sellers sell macro lenses, but don't actually know anything about macro or close-up photography. That's not much different from anything else that we choose to buy. The good news for those coming into mirrorless both Canon and Nikon have DSLR to mirrorless mount adapters that work perfectly well to take existing DSLR mount lenses and put them on mirrorless bodies. I have a Canon R5, which is a mirrorless body. 
but I don't own any RF or mirrorless mount lenses. And I can't see any reason to buy them. All of my older EF mount lenses work superbly on the R5 with that adapter. My colleagues who shoot Nikon, they've had the same success. You know, we mentioned a couple of times that 105 Micro Nikkor. What mm -hmm. a fabulous lens. It was a fabulous lens, yes. And I could use that, or anyone could use that, on one of the new mirrorless Nikons just using that little adapter. You know what's available in my, to Micro Four Thirds users, including that very impressive new 90mm that you talked about. Fujifilm users have an 80mm option. The only one that I found in the in this mirrorless space that didn't have the ability to go longer than, you know, let's call it a hundred mil equivalent was Sony because they top out at 90 mils on their full frame bodies. So if someone asked you, and obviously they have, otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation, you would uh, tell them to buy the longest focal length macro for the cameras that they could use without the need for any accessories such as extension tubes. Yes. There's a cost differential, obviously, between the longer lenses and the shorter lenses. But from a usability perspective, that is, the time the lens spends on the camera and not in the bag or in a drawer, the longer focal length macros are the most usable. So to summarize, a shorter focal length macros are excellent all-purpose lenses. They have a flat field of view. They are lighter, they're cheaper, but your subject better not jump, bite, or hiss. Medium are excellent optics, long history behind them. They can function as an all-purpose lens, but for the one-to-one -one macro, you still got to get close. And then there are these others, which now let you have it all. Except weight and price, although I have to admit this lens that we've been talking about today, it looks heavy, but again, the documentation and the videos seem to suggest that it is not, and it's very well balanced, and that's kind of mind-boggling. But otherwise, weight and price are an issue. I got it. But you, sir, are not doing anything to help me save money. And the gods of the Druids, the Scotsmen, and the Samurai will get you for that. From the makers of the Better Photo Videos podcast, I remain the Green Goblin, I have Gordon, and uh, thank you all for listening. Well, and I am Ross, and your gods are going to have to get in line. <laughs> There's a lot of entities out there to get. Lisa feels that way Sunday through Saturday. Please subscribe to be notified of new episodes, and don't forget to check the articles on the site as well. If you shop with BNH Photo Video, please do so through the link on the homepage. There's no negative impact for you, and we earn a small commission when you use our link. It helps us to keep things going around here. Until next time, peace.